Uncommon Sense, a podcast where we talk about our American heritage, sometimes in an organized manner, and sometimes not so much. Most of the time, not so much. <laughs> we condemn and celebrate, or let me finish the intro, Jerry, our past <laughs> in tandem, focusing on the good, the bad, and the moderately offensive. Today's topic will be the Electoral College, but first, we want to give a shout out, just like last week, to our audio guy, JT. <clears throat> that stands for James Tomatoes, right? James Tomatoes? Um, stands for, um... Yeah. Thank you, JT. So, so yeah, I have a mic now. What's this up? week we we allowed JT to, to set up a mic in his own recording setting. Much so to my that dismay. When you hear that third unfamiliar voice and it sounds unusually clear in comparison to last week, it is JT. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. you know. Hello. So with that being I'm said. So with that being said, my name is Ime. I'm Jerry. <laughs> Jerry has mouthful of macaroni and cheese. Shut up. Get on to me than I expected. Um, and yes, we're going to get started talking about the Electoral College. And as the person that arrives with the information, I decided this topic would be good because it feels very relevant. Last week we talked about political parties. That's obviously extremely relevant because we have an election coming up in a few short weeks. Now we're going to talk about the Electoral College because it's been a debate in American politics since its inception. And it becomes extremely relevant on the second Tuesday of every November. So, Jerry, what do you know, if anything, about the Electoral College? And it's okay to say nothing. I won't judge mm. you. <laughs> well, I know that our votes aren't actually, like, all tallied. It goes to, like, regional delegates or something, right? Pretty much, yeah. They go, we call the, They are more or less conceptually regional delegates. Each state has a set of electors. So, as for the Electoral College, the questions we're going to try and cover are, what is it, why do we have it, where does it come from, and do my votes really matter? So, in theory, um, anybody, any, anybody voting is really just assisted to the regional delegate. Pretty much. You're not really voting for the president when you cast a vote in November. Mm-hmm. You're really voting for your electors to represent your vote. That's why someone can win the popular vote and still not become president because they got more electoral votes. That has happened three times in American history. Rutherford B. Hayes was the first instance of that happening. Uh, Another instance was, of course, in 2000 with Bush versus Gore. And most recently in 2016 with Hillary Clinton versus... You can say it. The big buff Cheeto puff. DJ. (laughs) Why don't you say DJ? Where's the... Oh, no, it is. Yeah, Donald J. Trump, right? That's his name. It is DJ Trump. Yeah, DJ. DJ! Next up on the mic is DJ Trump! What a, Ooh, take what it away a from bitch. So, <laughs> let's go back. I want to start at the beginning. One of the things I like to talk about is the Constitutional Convention, which is a very operative event when it comes to the Electoral College, because that was where it was birthed out of the womb of uh, revolutionary disillusionment. Yeah. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry just yeah. mimed uh, birth. a birth, a birthing. It was pretty good. So speaking of birthing, let's go back. <laughs> back to the birth. Uh, last week, I'll just cover it briefly because we did talk about it. The Constitutional Convention was set up by, uh, I think, around 50 delegates in the summer of 1787 to talk about how we're going to do this new government thing. And I just want to put emphasis on when people say that America and its government was experimental, and we're often called the great experiment in a historical context, it is because we really did not know what we were doing. 
We just got away from a monarchical power that we were not a fan of. And now that we're independent, we need to have a new government and it actually needs to work. And we tried it with the Articles Confederation. It was a total bust. So now we're trying it again. And we're here at the Constitutional Convention figuring out how we can have a representative, like how we can feel like we're participating in politics and not being overrun by a monarchy, but also have a strong enough federal power to hold the states together as a union. That makes sense, right? Yeah, like a proper balance between I'm in control and you're in control. Pretty much. So the thing is, the Electoral College is really rooted into the idea that the Founding Fathers did not want a democracy. And this is something that I would not say really is common knowledge, because a lot of people call America a democracy. America is not technically a democracy. So the Founding Fathers, and especially people like James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, when they were researching for the convention, decided forthright, democracies are bad, because in ancient models of democracies, because the show of hands democratic system was so chaotic and so unregulated that previous examples and models of democratic governments had crumbled and failed and we obviously didn't want that to happen to us. Like Greece. Exactly, like Greece. So just to be extra clear, a democracy as we are defining it for the purposes of this context and the way the founders understood it was essentially a show of hands system where a majority wins. And so if we can't really like have a democracy because we're looking at Greece and we're seeing that it didn't work with them, we have to figure out, you know, that there's... Looking at you, Greece, this isn't working because of you. Greece, you had one goddamn job. One job, Greece. Way to go. So we had to set up a kind of system where we had people voting and having their interests, you know, paid attention to by the government, which is put in power to care for the interests of its people, but to also have a sense of democracy like you're participating in, you understand. Yeah, I get you. Okay. Jerry, why are you doing that? Because <laughs> it comes off. Jerry, stop. You're just... Jerry, Jerry, leave them out alone. <laughs> Damn it, JT. Just let me have this. No. Ah! Holy shit. Put it back on. Fine. Okay, continue. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to start talking about representation. And what does that mean? And tech. No taxing without rep representing. Repraxing. Good job. <laughs> no, no taxing without repraxing. We That's how the saying goes. <laughs> okay. My new username is repraxing. Uh-huh. It wasn't geriatric? No. Oh, damn. Good, bud. We knew that we're going to have a republic instead of a democracy. And a republic as an alternative to a democracy is basically a system in which instead of everybody raising their hand and saying what a majority wants is what we get, is saying we're going to put people in place in between the president and the people to operate in the interest of what we the people want. And that way, there's kind of a filtration system. We get to avoid majority rules and we get to like have, you know, multiple facets of a large pluralistic society being represented in the government. Could you imagine like elections where just everybody goes on the street and it's like, all right, who wants this guy to be president? Everyone's like, me! And there's just a helicopter going by with like binoculars, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No, yeah. I, I lost count at seven. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Like, that keep, was your hands raised, keep your hands raised. Yeah, keep them up. Keep them up. <laughs> this is going to take a couple hours. Uh, I have to start over. Uh, 
like go and you camp out to like be there in the morning and then you don't leave until like 11 27 god that would be with your hand and all the, the blood in your arm is just gone we're still waiting on reports from kansas they're still looking for the people raising their hands rhode island you have like so few people and we still haven't gotten your counts <laughs> any case so, I wonder if that got picked off. I don't know. We had, we're, we're nearby a street, so if you hear traffic noises outside, it's not just Jerry doing an impersonation of traffic, it's actual traffic. Although, if you want to hear that. No. Well, all that, and we've also callously left the windows open. Because That's really on me. That's really a thing I did. Listen, oh, is that we wanna is the, audio, the audio we, guy's responsibility? We want this to be a more open concept. <laughs> I'll show you an open concept. We want to invite you guys in. <laughs> So just climb through the windows. Come on in and join us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Speaking of joining us and joining the government, Congress. <laughs> so what we, we, we established so far, democracy bad, republic good. Now we have to figure out how the republic works, right? So we got our elect representatives and... This, don't worry, this will relate to the Electoral College, but we have to talk a little bit about Congress first, because one of the questions that was an overture of the convention was, do the people elect the president, or does Congress elect the president, or who does it? Who is responsible for you know that incredibly high-pressure decision-making? I feel like the answer is yes. It's the, the, ideally, it is a combination of the two, so we're going to get there. Um... As far as Congress goes, you know, we kind of set up early on that we're going to have a representative Congress. And, you know, a lot of people know our Congress, specifically in America, is bicameral. So we have the House and we have two, the, we have the House of Representatives and we have the Senate. The House of Representatives has proportional representation, meaning it depends on how many people live in each state to determine how many people will then represent you in the House of Representatives. It's considered the lower house. Every legislation goes through the House of Representatives before it goes to the higher house, which is the Senate. The Senate has exactly two senators per state, so it is completely 100% even. So we call this the Great Compromise because we have like equal, doesn't matter what the population is, representation in the higher house, and then we have proportional representation in the lower house. But we have a problem because when this was all being arranged, America had slaves. So now we have an issue because the Southerners want to have a proportional advantage and are saying in the convention, we would like to have our slaves counted as a part of the population. Needless to say, slaves could not vote and were not enfranchised, so they were not systemically political. So the Northerners were saying, uh, no, Sweaty, that doesn't make a lick of sense. Why should your apolitical slaves get to count as a part of your population when they can't even vote? And, you know, the Northerners didn't want to give that advantage to the South, so... This is about to turn into a really scary fraction, isn't it? It's about to turn into a really, like, seemingly... Just a weirdly specific fraction. But we came to the conclusion that every slave would be counted as three-fifths an individual in the system. That just feels like so much unnecessary math. Indeed. It just seems like so much more math than you needed to... Like, let's let's ignore the obvious... um, Awfulness of that? Lack of moral integrity with the whole slaves thing, right? Why yeah, would why would you do that to yourself mathematically? Why would you do the three fifths thing. Why three fifths? It's like musical time signatures. Why am I looking at a piece of music that is 
16, 9.5. Okay, but let me tell you something, okay? When I hear something at 7.4, every part of my body gets real hard. Does it? Real hard. Rico, the same lack of ethical integrity as a three no. kids compromise? No, not at all. It's just funny time, and it's great. Um, with three over five people gross <laughs> and just so much mad why are you, why would you, if there's 758 you know slaves what's three-fifths of that you get two of the those individuals that qualify as such and then you end up with six-fifths <laughs> and then you gotta convert it into a mixed fraction yeah uh, i if, just out of morbid curiosity i want to know like i want to see the chalkboard they had when they were doing this <clears> math <throat> Yeah. Like the, the fractions and like <laughs> equations. I wish I could remember the specific delegate that came up with three fifths. I want to say we can give James Madison that palm, and I believe James Madison was of the opinion that it didn't really make sense to count slaves at all. Um, you know, I really shouldn't say that because I'm not confident about it. I don't know who came up, like, I don't know who we, we can point fingers at to say, why the hell did you come up with that specific fraction? And I'm sure that there is a school of thought attributed to it. In fact, if somebody wants to Google that, that'd be cool. Why was it three-fifths? In any case, the reason this is prevalent to the Electoral College is because it set up kind of that whole system for represent representation in the proceedings henceforth. And it did play into the Electoral College, and that's a big reason that a lot of people in the modern age have a problem with it and think that it's outdated, because it has kind of roots in this unethical practice of dehumanizing African Americans. Um, so once we've determined you know, how we're going to decide what the population attributions are for each individual state and how they're represented, we get to the executive branch of the government after we're done figuring out how the legislative representation is going to work and we say who is responsible for electing the president. So the founding fathers came up with the electoral college and kind of gave it the same principle as the House of Representatives where the amount of people living in each individual state, uh, you know, gets mathematically filtered in proportion to how many electors each state gets. So now we're talking in the modern age, um, I believe there's a total of 578 electoral votes. Does that sound right? Isn't it like, there's like one or two per region in a state, right? What do you mean per region? So like states are broken up into regions, like... Like counties? Counties, yeah. yeah. There's like one per county or something like that, right? Well, all I know is, I don't know about the the deconstruction on a county level. All I know is that, you know, every so often a census is taken to reevaluate state populations. And so when the census is updated, you may gain or lose an elector for your state. I am no expert on this topic. And yeah. my, my remembrance of U.S. government from high school is fuzzy at best. There are 538 electors, by the way. I just want to clarify. I looked it up. Yeah. Uh, but I remember, like, seeing maps of Pennsylvania, uh, and, like, certain parts being red, certain parts being blue, and it being separated by counties. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the way that would be tallied, like, what part's red, what part's blue, Oh, uh, would... I don't know if you were looking at an elector map, or if you were just looking at a general, like, political consensus map, because there are red and blue counties, it doesn't necessarily mean 
the propensity of your specific electors to vote yeah, I, for a red or blue candidate. The, the only reason it, I remember it, it is because we used a funny term called gerrymandering. So gerrymandering has to do with congressional elections. So um, gerrymandering is basically rearranging the way I understand it, rearranging or redrawing county lines. If yeah. you know that you're going to get more votes for a specific party because of partisan distribution geographically, you'll redraw the lines to include more votes for yourself or for whoever, whosoever you're trying to benefit. And that is because of a... Uh, founding father named Elbridge Jerry, his name was. And his I believe last name his, was Jerry. His last name was Jerry. Dumb name. With a G, I think. I always thought it was Elbridge Gary. Uh, and I believe he was Ma James Madison's vice president during his administration. So in addition to gerrymandering, he's also famous for that. But he also died during that. And I think there's... Was sick. Uh, yeah. Nice. Quite literally sick. Fuck. Um... So that's what I know about it is Elbridge Gary, Jerry, God damn it. Yeah, he was funny too. He was like five foot four. <laughs> he was like just a nebbish little man that was famous for kind of having this tood. You My know? stepdad's five four. And he was nice. He mm -hmm. might be reincarnated from Elbridge Jerry. Yeah. Was Elbridge Jerry an asshole? Yes. Ah, oh, probably. Yeah. Jerry Mandrig. Kind of a dick move. <laughs> kind of a dick move. Yeah, so we know that I don't know the exact story of how the term gerrymandering got coined, but I do know that it is after Elbridge Jerry, and he must have done some shady shit when it came to congressional elections. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that that might have been what you were looking at. Um, we definitely there are red and blue counties. I think we happen to live in a blue county, and we are represented by a Democrat in the House. So good for us. Yeah. 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 Just to contextualize. Jerry, not Elbridge Jerry, but Jerry Jerry sitting across from me is not the most political person, right? Not even a little bit. Not even a little no. bit political. So these words don't mean <laughs> as much to him as they do to me, but that's fine. You're not going to... You could like say anything about either side and I'd just be like, yeah. <laughs> Which is good because I say a lot of, I'm kind of the opposite. I have very strong opinions and I say very polarizing things. And I have, like, people in my family <laughs> that uh, support. Did I tell you lunch? about the one time? Um, actually, this was just recently. It was a couple weeks ago. My dad invited people over, and they're just the type of people. They're just the type. And I hate to play into stereotypes, but I had a bad feeling about them. And I asked my dad to ask them who they were voting for. And, of course, as I suspected, they said, or at least the husband said, Donald Trump. And we were having this, I was like, oh, God, we, we were having a little barbecue or something in the backyard. And my dad bought one of those just blank cakes from Giant, like the $3 with the mm -hmm. space in the middle to put whatever you want. So I went to Giant and I bought I saw this on a, a piping bag of blue icing and I came back to the house and I wrote Biden 2020 on the cake. And that was good. I put a picture of it on Facebook and it got a really good reception. <laughs> so you didn't draw donkey good, or something. Good for the clout. No, I didn't put that much effort into it. It was just Biden 2020. It was gotcha. enough to get the point across. I feel like more times than not anymore, like most of the sane people, at least that I talk to, like everybody agrees, yeah, Trump is an absolute ball sack. <laughs> um, it's just whether or not they think Biden will be worse. Biden will not be worse. And I don't even necessarily like Joe Biden. I'm like many millennials. I would have preferred somebody else. But Joe Biden and Donald Trump, in my estimation, are not even vaguely comparable. I saw a TikTok once. Um, Me too. Not sure why. But um, it was it, to to 
I guess, put a metaphor to the election. Um, a guy was uh, sitting at a restaurant or whatever, and the you know, waiter comes up to him. Hi, would you like um, a fistful of angry hornets or a tuna melt? Guy's like, uh, I don't oh, really yes, like I've tuna melts. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling tuna melts today. Oh, yeah, so you shit, want I don't know. the hornets? I just don't want a tuna melt. Right. But do you want the hornets? <laughs> I just don't like tuna. Welcome to Applebee's. <laughs> Would you like apples or bees? Thank you, Jerry, for that contribution. Uh, I don't really yes. like apples. Yeah. Listen, I don't want to... Well, I'm saying... I'm not about to say I don't want to offend anybody because there are some people out there I'm looking to offend. If you're a third-party voter, I don't want to offend you because I know people in their hearts are disillusioned with the system. And this, this is actually very prevalent to the Electoral College because the Electoral College makes it so that third-party voters basically can't win. You're more likely to win the lottery than to vote for a third party. Jerry, stop. Please. You're more likely to win the lottery than to were you get... Sorry, were you duct-taping your hand? I'm not a smart man. You fucking knob. Please continue, I may. I apologize. Thank you for apologizing on Jerry's behalf. You are more likely to, I'll say this time, get struck by lightning than you are to get a third party candidate elected. And that is because of the Electoral College. So the way this system works is every state, as proportion to the population, has a certain amount of electors. And the electors are basically people. And every state has a different method for getting their electors in place. There's no federal regulation for how electors get kind of put in their position. But they're not elected. They are not elected officials. And... They basically see what their state is voting for, and in their position, they're agreeing to vote for whoever the popular candidate is in their state, but they can decide not to if they don't want to. So the, the gambit is, like, this: the important detail about the Electoral College above all else is that it is an all-or-nothing system. So if a majority, for example, in Pennsylvania in this next election, were to vote for Joe Biden... Every single electoral vote would go to Joe Biden, not just the amount of people that voted for him. So that is why states that have a large population are extremely powerful, because with the all or nothing system, if you win in a state with a high population, you already have like a substantial leg up in the race. And this is why places like California, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Florida are very important for politicians to campaign in because they have a weighty amount of electors that you will get all of if you win the majority in that state. That makes sense, right? And because it's an all or nothing system, that is why third party candidates don't stand a chance in hell. And obviously it's just going to be like, if you win the presidential election, you win. Same thing with Congress. In, I like to just bring this up as an example to help people understand. In Britain, their parliamentary system is such that if you were to vote for a third party or otherwise just a group of political you know, affiliates that are not attributed to one of two major parties, they will get that percentage win of representation in the governmental body. So if you were, if, you know, if 12%, if this wasn't how it worked in America and 12% of people voted for the Green Party, then 12% of Congress would uh, have the Green Party be being represented. Mm -hmm. But that's not so. We pretty much only have... You know, obviously the Democrats and Republicans with the all or nothing system, there's just there's no percentage allocated for representation in any party that isn't one of two major parties. So we have an extremely like we are locked into a bipartisan system. This is another problem that people have with the Electoral College. So 
so far, everything we've talked about, you know, people don't like that there is slavery kind of inextricably linked with the representational uh, attribution aspect of the Electoral College. People do not like the all or nothing system because they can't get their third parties elected. And I, and I said that because I was going to say, you know, the the left side of our modern political spectrum is attacking itself a little bit with um, disillusioned leftists who are upset that a centrist like Biden has been nominated by the DNC and are saying, we're going to vote for third party because we hate both of these individuals who are running. And I respect the hustle and I respect the disillusionment and I encourage people to be very outspoken and very proud of their disillusionment because that is the way we spread ideas and I think that's great. But in my opinion, voting third party at an election is not a productive way to be an activist when you are feeling some type of way. Yeah, like, God, what was it? Was it Roosevelt who, like, split a vote back in his time? Like Teddy Roosevelt did split a vote with Howard Taft yeah, at one point. Yeah, and caused the other side to win because of it. Yeah. Woodrow Wilson. Was it? No, no. Was it Woodrow Wilson who won that election ultimately? I think so. Wilson Harding? Okay, yeah, I think it was Wilson. Now, if I recall correctly, um, at that point, Roosevelt had already served... Two or, terms. Ter- two terms. Okay. Yes. He was already, and then he was running. He was running for a third term. Uh, but also third party, he was the progressive party, correct? Uh, he might have been doing that, but I think he still ran on the Republican ticket. Oh, okay. So he, so I could be wrong. You, you could be right. He might have been trying to represent the progressive party, but in any case, he split the Republican vote okay. between him and Taft. And so the Democrat Woodrow Wilson won. Uh, and we all know what happened after that. Yeah, I even knew about that. <laughs> even Jerry. <laughs> anyway. So and another thing, another like issue that people have with the electoral college is that it's ostensibly supposed to give power to the small states. Because think about if we didn't have this, small states would basically never get any shit done in an election in terms of representing their special interests because the states with the larger populations would have proportionately such a larger proportion if it weren't for the electoral filtration with the rep- like with the uh, proportional representation that it would be it would it would be quite literally majority rules all the time and if you come from a state that is has a smaller population you know the special interests attributed to your states would never really stand a chance at getting elected at least or getting represented rather that's the theory at least so on one hand, the Electoral College is supposed to give power to the small states. On the other hand, some people think that it doesn't even really do that because the electors can just turn around and do whatever they want. I personally think what makes me nervous about the Electoral College is that we, we've had this, the Electoral College has superseded the popular vote twice in two decades, in as little as two decades, and it was both for the Republican candidate. And you need to keep in mind, you know, this is an exclusive institution is an organization of people that have a nebulous origin that are not elected by the people it makes you wonder how corruptible the institution is um and it's you know as a as a as a democrat affiliated person it's a little bit upsetting that the two instances where electoral college was supposed to do it you know just do its job as per usual par for the course you know we ended up getting i i can't even I honestly, as much as I don't like the Bushes, I don't think they're comparable to Donald Trump either. And I am of the opinion the Electoral College was put in place to prevent people like Donald Trump from getting elected, and he's been elected. And I don't have any evidence to suggest that there was some traceable corruption within that specific institution, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out if that was the case. 
And that's what makes me kind of nervous. I don't know. A lot of people are unsure about how trustworthy the Electoral College is. And you also think about some people think it made more sense for it to exist way back in the way back because a lot of people were illiterate. So a lot of voters would have been uninformed or uneducated. And so they thought the Electoral College as a means of making a more educated guess (laughs) as to the fortunes of the nation. Obviously, that is an elitist attitude. So a lot of people have a problem with that, too. Yeah, we're all educated now. Every every single one of us knows exactly what we're talking about. Especially me. Especially Jerry. You know, everything. I know nothing. (laughs) I just need to clarify that. I'm not actually that pompous. That's fine. How long have we been going? Mm. Been um been about between a half hour and forty minutes. Okay. We're making yeah. good time. I think so. So I don't know, Jerry, what do you think? What's your opinion on the I have a really important question. Of course. And I think you knew this was coming, I may. Uh oh. Can we fit Batman into this somehow? Oh my god, absolutely. We can make Batman a metaphor for the executive. Do you think Batman is a fascist? I don't know the meaning of the word. A fascist? So fascism basically can be boiled down to meaning that a government is ruled or um, overseen or regulated by a police state or a military. Oh yeah, almost assuredly. You think that about Batman? He's a fascist of Gotham. Okay, yeah. The secret police is going to get you if you do something bad. <clears throat> All right, well, I don't know how to conflate Batman gracefully with the Electoral College, but if you... I'm going to put that responsibility on you. Oh, my goodness. They're going to hear the gears turning through this mic. So I have a question. Um, yeah. Do you think there could be... Not that I'm suggesting that such a thing should exist at all, but do we think maybe... Perhaps there could be like a functional fascist state where like people are happy. Do you think that's a could be something positive fascism? Like, like functional in, fascism? Imagine a dictatorship, but like in my he's America? not an ass. He just does a good job. I think. Uh, I think that's called a monarchy. I think in any uh. fascist state, true felicity and. Fascism are irreconcilable. Jerry, you like the word felicity? Jerry likes the word felicity. I feel like I've heard that name somewhere. Well, it's a word. It's a name, too. Uh, Felicity Jones. turned into a name. I mean... Like Happy from Death of a Salesman started out as a word. And they mean the same thing. Felicity and happiness are basically synonymous. So that you know. So does that mean fascism and happiness are synonymous? No, uh, what I said was before you started <laughs> laughing that fascism and true felicity in a governed populace are basically irreconcilable because if you are operating as peaceful citizens under the threat otherwise of violence or death, it is not a truly free society. And if you conflate the abstract concept of liberty with the abstract concept of happiness, then it would not logically follow to support fascism as a potential form of governance. And as America was founded on the principles of liberty, and boy howdy, do people sure misappropriate that principle as articulated by the founding fathers in our modern age. But as America, no holds barred, was founded on the principle of liberty, it would not follow logically 
that we would be able to prosper under a fascist governance. And that is why a lot of people are having issues, of course, with the police state right now. And I, I don't want to call America a police state, like... The state of blanketedly, the Blanketedly, but the state of the police system. Yes, thank you, Jerry, for re- rewording that. I mean, what are your thoughts on the U.S. police system? It's bad. It needs more Batman. Sure. It needs some <laughs> fucking work. <laughs> Well, go go into that for me, if you would. The police system, uh, you know, was found as a very archaic system that was founded on very archaic principles that has perpetuated. Leave him alone. Jerry is harassing the cat. I did not harass the podcat. We have a podcat named Benji. He is silent, but we enjoy his presence and you should too. I just wanted to confuse him a little bit. You did. I did the job. He's very confused. <laughs> for what made that noise. The confusion only lasted oh. a short amount of time. He is now oh, looking himself. He's still looking for it. He's looking himself. Oh, now he's going to sleep. All right. But yeah. Oh, so my thoughts on the police system to answer JT's question, I agree with the zeitgeist of our modern generation. It is very bad and it needs a major, major overhaul. Uh, a lot of people are talking about ACAB, uh, defund the police and dissolve the police system, dissolve the prison system. And I do not feel erudite on the philosophy of a society regulated with prison systems as as a means of punishment for crime Mm -hmm. to say whether or not we can function without a prison system and concurrently without a police system. But I do believe the police system as it is right now enforces extremely unfair rules. And if you are a participant in the system, it means that you are complicit or an enforcer of these unfair rules and that that is not good and that we need to seriously change how we think about our emergency response system. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that was, I don't know that if was I well put. Danced. Okay, thank you. So I was actually, this is interesting. I was talking to a person recently who works at the restaurant with me who is 17 years old. So she's starting to think about college and she goes to the TCHS program, which is like the kind of the pre-college trade school facet of our old <coughs> high school. <coughs> you okay? Yeah. Okay. God damn it, JT. <laughs> And she's going to uh, post-secondary education to study law enforcement. And we were talking about it a little bit. And I said, oh, do you want to be like an investigator, police officer? Like, what do you want to do? And I wasn't even going to force my political ideals down her throat. We were just having a conversation. And she said, I wanted to be an investigator. And she said it like noticeably in the past tense. And I said, oh, so like, what do you think about the ACAB stuff and everything like that? And she goes, I support it. And that surprised me. I was like you support it like the police or you support a cab she's like i support a cab and and so she then went on to elaborate that initially she wanted to be an investigator but she said you cannot accomplish that without first being a police officer and she does not want to be in the system so she's having to rethink her aspirations yeah and i thought that's actually i was very impressed that a, a you know this 17 year old she's very nice and she's very soft-spoken but this 17 year old girl has the circumspection and the wherewithal to rethink a very old system, even if it comes with dismantling her aspirations. Sure. I was impressed by that. So yeah, the times are changing. I I don't know what kind of change we will see anytime soon, but a lot is going to depend upon the next presidential election. And the next presidential election depends a lot on what the electoral college does. I concur. 
I know that people can't see what's happening, but this whole time there's been really distracting things going on. I don't know what you're talking about, Aime. You're there taping no your hand. What are you doing? <laughs> now he's time. flashing his flash warning, flash camera warning. flash at me. That was my interpretation of Druid Sandstorm by Druid. The song's just called Sandstorm, Jerry. <laughs> You don't have to call it Darude Sandstorm. Darude Sandstorm. Darude Sandstorm. Sandstorm. Darude. <laughs> I love how audible that probably <laughs> No, it comes through. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna put it on my neck. Hold on. So, after everything we've talked about, I want to know what you guys... Like, so mm. I don't know... I know you didn't have much prior knowledge. I don't know how much prior knowledge you had, but I sure. want to know what your guys' opinion on of the Electoral College. <clears throat> what your opinion of the Electoral College is now that we've had this conversation. Uh, I think it is the big dumb that they are just sort of appointed. Yeah. Because that sounds closer to an oligarchy mm -hmm. than a republic. Which is a society that is run by a few individuals. Just for clarification. Give a uh, definition of oligarchy. Yeah. Good word, Jerry. Yeah. It's like people who are just like, oh, hey, this is your job now. It's like, oh, this is my job now to help, you know, run everything because somebody to decided to make very important decisions. And I want to actually want to add another layer to this. We, uh, you know, ostensibly cast our ballots in the month of November. Or if you vote early, you know what I mean. But up until November 3rd, that's when everything is going on with casting your ballots, hoping for the best, the election, that the electors actually listen to what you want and represent your interests in your state. Uh, the goal is for your desired presidential candidate to have at least 270 elector votes. But the electors, I have heard or have learned recently, cast their ballots in December. So the real election is actually in December, not November. So you kind of have a very long sitting duck period where everything is getting figured out for the president. And you don't know exactly the night of the election who you're going to end up with. And I actually remember this. I, you know, we were very young at the time, but the Bush-Gore thing was a lot of back and forth with uh, recounting. And also, I think George W. Bush versus who did he run against? John Kerry. <laughs> That also involved a lot of foo for all with recounting the votes and like figuring all that out. And it's a very agonizing, very suspenseful process. I cannot imagine that this upcoming election will be even that peaceful. I'm thinking and I, I hate to fear monger or, you know, anything like that. I want to assume that the best will happen and that Donald Trump loses and leaves gracefully. But he's been saying some very unusual things about not accepting the election results. He said something to the effect of, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'll accept a loss. And he said things like the only way I'm going to lose is if this election is rigged. It just really raises some eyebrows. Do, do you want me to translate to those at home who might not understand? Absolutely. I'm not saying that I'll accept a loss. I'm just saying that the only way I'm going to lose is if it's rigged. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Now you understand. That was actually Donald Trump. He's actually in the room with us. He's just been real quiet for once. <laughs> wow. We fuck. gave him a pacifier. Um, <laughs> a rattle on a pacifier. If Don't I worry, could speak, Donald, your milky's coming soon. If I could speak to my opinions on the electoral college, really very unchanged. Um, it before with less knowledge um, seemed to me like the kind of system that didn't serve its people. Um, and I don't feel any differently. I kind of feel the same way. And I will say I used to be a fan of the Electoral College because I felt like 
there could be an event in America where we just have a majority that wants to make unsound decisions. Like, and I don't even say that I agree with that now, but especially with pluralism being such um such an important property in the act of governance. And I'll, I'll explain pluralism in a second if for just in case people are unsure what that concept is. But even if that were the case, you know, like I said earlier, the point of the Electoral College as articulated by the Founding Fathers was to have a system in place that filtrates the effects of pluralism and makes the most tactful sound decision in the event that the majority of people do not represent the best interests of the country. And so if you really think about and deconstruct that, basically what they were saying is you don't know what's good for you, but the Electoral College will know what's good for you. Even if you think you know, you may not. So that's what the Electoral College is for. And I, I, for some reason, I was like, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, we gotta have that, that's great, that's good. Obviously now it's happened twice that we've gotten two shitty administrations out of that. So at least, you know, of course in my political opinion. And then it's also just conceptually questionable. In my own personal opinion. <laughs> my own, you know, humble opinion. As for pluralism, and this is important in conjunction with all forms of governance and also with the Electoral College specifically and with representation, pluralism is basically the concept of, you know, you have a geographically large landscape, which America is quite geographically large in comparison to many places. And because that there's so many different landscapes, so many different populaces, so many different sociological evolutions and demographics, there are a lot of different interests. There's a plurality of interests and that's what pluralism is. And I just wanna put a recommended reading out there if anybody is interested in a primary source that carefully examines pluralism and how the government is instated to regulate the effects of pluralism. Federalist number 10 by James Madison is definitely one of the most high profile texts out there. Of course, written by an individual that was at the forefront of America's founding. I wrote a like dissertation on it. We spoke at length about them last time as about well. The, James what? Madison, right? Yes, we did. I thought you meant the Federalist Papers. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't um, remember talking at length about the Federalist Papers, but we can. Quincy. Quincy. We did talk at length about Quincy, who talked was not Quincy. really a founding father. He was a founding son. And he tried his best. They found Jerry. <laughs> Guys, it's been a great week. I got to go for a run now. <laughs> <laughs> My Uber's here. Um, Express Uber. Can you guys talk about something for a second? I want to yeah. look up and see if I'm right about how many times the electoral. Speaking of the college overall system. Boners. Balls. <laughs> no. God damn it. Big milky mamas. Wild, crazy booberonies. <laughs> this is what happens when you leave us in sh- <laughs> Jerry, let's, why don't you review last uh, week? Who was... Uh, Fuck! Who did we actually talk about last week? I Thomas know. Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Spamish Spefferson. Uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson and uh, James Madison. All right, that's enough. <laughs> I looked it up. Apparently, earlier in the podcast, I said there were three instances of the Electoral College overriding the popular vote. Apparently, that's incorrect. Wikipedia is saying. That there is five. That's like ten percent, almost. That's an alarming rate, isn't it? That's alarming. Yeah. How often do they decide that we're too dumb to know what's good for us? Eighteen twenty-four. 
Um, this doesn't make any sense in my mind. 
We're here to have yeah, fun. It's okay. There will be occasional misinformation from time to time, and we will do our best to clarify because it. Because I may needs to do a better job with getting her fucking <clears throat> notes together before she comes here. Last week, I at least had notes, but I didn't look at them once. So I was like, okay, I don't need notes. I can just wing it. No, a hoe needs notes, <laughs> as it turns out. Aime is a lovely person who tries very hard and does very well. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TikTok. <laughs> All right, where, where are we at? Uh, we've been going for about an hour. All right, I think this is a good place. Great. Does anybody have closing comments? Uh, thank you all Wiener. for coming to... J- God damn it, JT. That's, he's just our intern. We're sp- what? I was speaking. <laughs> yeah, why? All right, so... So... Thank you for joining us this week for the pol- for the Electoral College. Next week, Galactic Trade Federations. <laughs> Star Trek. Almost. Yeah. That's the gag. I think that's where we end there. Oh, oh go ahead. We're recording again. I just want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. Tune in next week. Until then, this has been your obedient servant. And I'm Jerry. A- and Jerry. And JT. I'm James. God damn it, James. Signing off.